Hello, welcome to this episode of the Turf Talk Podcast. In today's episode, we're talking about cultural practices. With me is Dr. John Rowland. Hello. He is an expert when it comes to cultural practices. Is that not right? That's pretty true. I did cultural practices for my master's degree at the University of Florida down here in Fort Lauderdale, where we looked at uh, airification versus verticutting, top dressing, and um, solitine aeration. And we, con- we looked at all those cultural practices right next to each other side by side, and we determined which of the practices were the best. Well, if you ask a golfer, they would say they don't want any of them because it would definitely affect them. And same thing with, I guess, uh, sports fields. Uh, nobody likes being kicked off a field if they're wanting to play on it. That's very true. And there's a lot of research now focusing on either reduction of these cultural practices or potentially not even doing some of these cultural practices, relying mostly on sand top dressing versus punching holes. The right. superintendents are leaning, it uh, seems in my opinion, that they're leaning towards smaller holes. Yep. Maybe less frequent airifications. Some people have done away with airifications. They haven't done them in a few years, maybe. And some high-end golf courses are following those procedures. Right. And, you know, the bottom line is it's all about, you know, who we're working for and, you know, making them happy because it's all about Absolutely. perception. Absolutely. Um, we all know that are uh, those of us that are turf managers, we know that, Sometimes we do things that seem counterproductive. Um, you know, I'd always get this on the golf course. The greens are perfect. Why are you punching holes in them? Well, yep. you know, for us, we want to say, well, for them to be perfect, we have to do this. Yes. Um, but I agree with you. Over, you know, when I first started, um, you know, airifying, whatever, 30 years ago when I was pulling up the cores behind the air fire when I was working on a golf course and I was asking the superintendent, you know, while we were doing this, you know, he would always tell me the same thing, you know, it's to, it's to help the plan out. It's to relieve the compaction, you know, get the, get the air and sand movement in there. It's to pull out all the old organic matter, you know, help with the thatch, you know, it's, it's the stuff we've heard time and time again. But as I started, uh, started noticing that, you know, you do that and it might take two weeks, three weeks for your greens to completely heal. Um, and, you know, during that process, you know, members complaining and griping and just, you know, just maybe making life not the best for you. I started thinking, is there a better way? And, uh, and, you know, is there a better way? And that's something that I think that, uh, uh, us turf managers look is there a way that we can do this that a helps the plant and b as uh, as the least disruptive uh for the use of the uh of the area yeah that's absolutely true and luckily there's a lot of research going on on these cultural practices evaluating the lack of cultural practices and uh, everything in between basically so re- regardless of your beliefs and what you're trying to essentially achieve, it's good to have ammunition going to talk to your superiors or the owners, whoever it may be. You don't want to just say, well, you know, we do this just because we do it. And that's 
not the way to go do it. I was just talking with a researcher that's heavily involved in this type of research. And he says that there are some markers that people will go by, like infiltration rate, for example, that, you know, what what does infiltration rate really mean? I mean, uh, what's the ideal infiltration rate? Uh, Are we chasing that number? And the same with soil organic matter. Are we chasing some mythical number? Uh, The research that I know about is usually done in bent grass greens where they have that collapse during the summertime and they're trying to link link it to something and they've linked it to soil organic matter and they say three and a half to four percent soil organic matter is a point where yeah you may have some issues um but down here in bermuda grass in florida particularly south florida does that number mean anything at all I've seen greens with organic matter below the thatch layer that's been well over 5%, and I don't see any reduction in organic matter uh, quality. And I've seen other plots where we verified multiple times and the organic matter is down 2% or somewhere in that vicinity. And frankly, I don't see any difference. And maybe the greens dry out a little quicker than the other greens, particularly if you have an older type of a green that has any type of silt or, you know, high in organic matter, the sides of the holes that are being pulled, they have what I call slicken slicken sides. Uh, when When you airify, you sort of create a compaction layer at the bottom of that airification where you're pounding that soil down to that uh, layer. And that'll create sort of a compaction zone. Well, I've also seen it on the sides and I've seen increased um, uh, drying out of the soils, uh, LDS, localized dry spot. It just because what the it, the water takes the path of least resistance. It'll go into these holes. It'll go right down those sides that are slicked up, and generally right below your root zone. And the water may not even be available. So, are we chasing these parameters for nothing? Is are these cultural practices really helping us? So it's very important to know. If they are, if they're getting us to a point where we want to be um, at the golf course I was at most recently, we had airified, you know, regularly, like most courses would maybe two times a year, something along those lines. And unfortunately, we had a layer from an old no-till that every time we airified, we were, first of all, pulling up the the turf. We would have to go back around and tamp down all these areas. And secondly, the greens dried out so quick that after airification or even, you know, way after airification, uh, you could hardly keep them moist. So in that sense, what were we doing? Uh, uh, it didn't seem like it was making sense because it was tearing up the greens. We were, we were dry all the time. I had to send someone out all day, hand watering, and just never seen, we never seemed to be able to catch up to it. So Um, those are some of the things we really need to look at as to when we develop our cultural practice programs and the schedules and, you know, what, how we discuss these cultural practices. Well, I know most turf managers definitely would, uh, wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, bat an eye lash if we did away with them, because it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a lot of work on our end. 
but we do it because we know it's something that that is supposedly helps the plant i will say in over the years in my i guess 17 years as a as a, a decision maker on the golf course um the airifications that uh i would start with which was the traditional two times a year with a five eighths tying pulling the cores uh off and then trying to put sand back into the holes and you know roll heavily just to create a smoother playing surface um now i've totally just changed my whole thinking on this and where i what i do now is at least with the um with uh uh the dry ject uh movement if you will that's come come about in the last few years is to use that technology to actually do your do your air uh, airifying because of the sand that can be injected into the soil because um, that was always the hardest part trying to get the sand and no matter how big your holes were on the greens it was just always hard to try to get the sand in unless you were using you know uh, bagged sand or kiln drying sand uh, but you know using that as your big airification uh, technique the dry jack and then coming in with quad tines and you know quad tines let's say you know five times during the year uh to equal that magic number that i guess the usga came up with on how much organic matter needed to be removed so in a sense i was adding the number of airification days that you know we would be airifying on the course but in turn you were seeing a reduction in the disruption of the the playing surface and that's something that the that any membership or anyone that's coming to play the golf course would appreciate because um, they don't really care if you airify they just care when can they get back on and play and when can conditions get back to normal so by doing this process it's totally um, been a game changer in the sense that uh, the membership is is a, you know quite happy about the the less disturbance um and it you know the results you know time will tell but it seems that the results are going to be similar to the what the old standard used to be sure and i see a lot of superintendents also using that dry jack that like you say it injects the sand perfectly uh, very little soil disruption and that seems to be what a lot of supers are going to um the research that i see nowadays tends to lean more towards surface impact and what you're doing at the surface. I'll go back quickly to the USGA numbers that you were talking about. Uh, again, all that research was developed on bent grass greens and it was sort of debatable. Okay. We have this number somewhere around 4% soil organic matter, not the thatch mat layer, but the layer underneath it. Um, that they determined, okay, well, it seems like we have some type of decline at certain points in time, particularly during the hot summers for bent grass greens. Now, again, if unless you have bent grass greens, which, okay, you can certainly use those numbers as a reference because it's pretty valid. They've done research on it. And uh, they've essentially determined that that number is a number that you're likely to have some issues with at some point in time. 
But then you come down here to South Florida and the research that I did, it was a multiple year trial. And again, any, I've saw, I saw plots anywhere from 1% up to 6% or maybe even more. And I saw zero uh, difference between the quality of these plots. Now, the other thing that I saw in my research, like I touched on before, with the, um, the preferential flow of water through these holes, uh, over that multiple year study, I pulled a lot of soil cores and I looked at a lot of these holes that had been taken the year prior and all this, that, and the other thing. And frankly, I didn't see a lot of roots going through these holes. I don't know if it was because of the, you know, quote unquote compaction on the sides that just didn't let the roots go in or what exactly was happening. Did they like that higher organic soil better and they just weren't reaching out into it? And yeah, of course, everybody's seen the pictures of the roots going into sand or, or particularly growing in sand. You see a, a ton of roots. But in the research that I did on an older green, it was around seven years old. I didn't see it. It was very rare when I would see a root poking through these holes. And, uh, you know, you just, you, first of all, you go back to what number are we chasing for this organic matter? So say you have 3% organic matter below that thatch layer. Uh, what number are you looking at? I mean, I know supers that are trying to get 1% or just a little bit higher than 1%. I mean, what, what are you trying to do there? That, that seems like a number that is almost unobtainable. And when you obtain that number, what are you going to have? You're going to have greens that you're going to have to water like crazy. You're always going to have to be looking at them. And what are you getting in the end? Did that really help you? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that that's each golf course um, definitely would have to, you know, assess that number and what's right for them. Yes. I do know there are golf courses that – and memberships, I should say, because I don't think any of us turf managers want to uh, stress our greens out uh, unnecessarily. But when firm and fast is what the membership is wanting, right? To have that, the more organic matter you have, just in theory, you know, they're going to be a little softer. They're going to be a little bit more receptive. The ball is going to leave that good ball mark and not really uh, move much. Um, you know, to have a firm green, you, you do have to reduce that organic matter. So some of them might be, you know, some courses might be looking at that as a way to help out um, with that um, firm and fast mentality, that speed mentality. And then um, that's where you get these, um, let's try to get as, as little organic matter growth as possible. But, you know, that's what the plan is wanting to do is growing right? The plant's always growing. It's always going to be producing the byproduct of that growth. And, uh, and it's just, you know, what, what, what do you want as a turf manager or what you think your, your, the end user wants, um, to maybe dictate kind of how you, how you manage, you know, but look, there's a lot to think about. I mean, airification is something that, Definitely, uh, it's, it's not really going to go away. I mean, granted, there are guys, like you said, that are choosing to skip a year or, or, or so, but I, I definitely think in the end, airification, there's just a lot more to it than, let's say, organic matter removal. Um, you know, compaction is, is, a, is clearly 
a benefit to to airify and, and sometimes just compaction alone just uh, can deteriorate a plant uh, no matter what it is um, just based on that so just helping helping relieve compaction is a is a reason where I think it, it works and that's one of the reasons I um, was always big on needle tying airification just to just to help you know get a little bit of air and water movement into the soil um, you know that was the least disruptive um, being able to do it right in front of people playing and they would never really know um, it was it was always a tool in 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 my box right now see all of those points are very valid and obviously um, a concern to all turf managers particularly golf course managers now the way i look at it as a scientist is okay we're gonna go out and we're gonna say needle time and there was a recent study that did needle time uh versus nothing uh, i'm not sure if there were other treatments in there or not but the way to really find out is when you do side-by-side comparisons mm-hmm. Super- superintendents uh tend to just do maybe they're doing a few things so certainly in your in your program, you're going to have the needle time. You're going to have the dry jack. You're going to pull some cores. You're going to do this, that, and the other thing. All right. So first of all, um, some, it's hard to determine in my opinion, what is beneficial. Yeah. Certainly if you're sopping wet, you know, if your greens are sopping wet after a rain and they're really soft and you know, you have all these issues. Yeah. Obviously you need to do something about it. Um, a lot of research is focusing more on the surface. When I did my research, we broke it down into two parts. We broke it down into the soil aspect and the surface aspect. Now, we evaluated, obviously, organic matter content in the soil. We evaluated soil moisture content in the soil. Then when you get to the surface, it was thatch percentage, thatch depth, um, organic matter in that surface layer, ball speed, you know, the roll. We value excuse me. We evaluated all of those aspects and even some others, and we're trying to determine what was the best. And we 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 found in that research that verticutting, in other words, the surface impact, was the thing that really produced that better surface. It was firmer. It right. uh, actually was greener uh, because it had less localized dry spot in the plots when we dried them down a little bit and it really it really provided a better playing surface. And as an example, I was just re- listening to a podcast recently. Uh, I believe the superintendent was from Hazeltine. So in other words, they have some pretty big tournaments out there, pretty mm. high end country club. And he's one of those superintendents that's leaning towards the surface impact versus that soil impact. Right. And he's focusing on growth rate, of the surface and trying to equalize that with top dressing. In right. other words, that that's essentially all he's doing. He's not pulling cores. He's not doing anything much more dramatic than that. And he seems to have found that equilibrium that's providing him super playable surfaces, very little disruption. Cause you know, particularly when you're up North, your season is limited. You may have 150 oh, yeah. days or less of playing time, you know, down here in South Florida, we, we play all year. There's no, no downtime, but if you're up there transition zone or North, you know, you're, you, you want to play, you need to make money. You need to have that income coming in to pay for your maintenance and everything else. And 
So, you know, that, that seems to be the direction where some people are going. And I, I, I recommend that as well. I, I like seeing people focusing on that surface. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you have sop and wet greens and you need to punch holes and if you do it uh, again, side by side, so say you have a sop and wet uh, practice green, you go out there, you punch holes on half the green. You can evaluate very easily. Did that help my situation? Did it not? Right. If it helped, it's very easy to carry that over onto the course and you right. continue doing that. So th- that's what I like to see. I like to see side-by-side comparisons. Are you really getting that benefit from what you're doing? Are you chasing some magical numbers that may or may not mean anything? Right. You know, that that type of stuff. Well, you know, we, we're, we're no different than, than golfers in that extent. I mean, we're creatures of habit. You know, we were always taught to airify, so we always think that that's, that's the thing that we have to we have to do. And you're Absolutely. right; we should be testing and see if it's right. Yes. You know, I guess that's what I was getting at, and just my whole thinking with uh, airification. Like now, I don't even want to pull a big core at all. I, right. I, if I do, I, I'll say, "All right, let's dry jack." You know, spend the money yep. to. You know, they spend that extra money to dry jack, and now there's the 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 wet jacks, and then the dry jack has the ability to use you know wet sand. Although I still you know would not advise it just because of the bridging that could still occur trying to get the sand in uh, the hole, and and the, the company will even tell you that you know you will not use as much sand if you're not using the the uh, dried sand uh, in a type of injection uh, 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 system. Um, so if you use the dry dry sand, definitely it's going to be a little bit better. But still, I, I say, you know, use that as the ability to maybe get down into, you know, below um, your, your uh, that six inch magic number, your roots or whatever that might be. But, you know, the dry jack allows just for a deeper uh, penetration than just with a normal airification uh, core. And then, you know, see, hey, do you need anything else? Now you can look at needle tinin or, or, or quad tinin, pencil tinin, uh, whatever whatever you want to call it to, to maybe help out where you think you need and just leave the big, uh, big airification tines away and just save that for your fairways and tees and things where you know doesn't doesn't really matter as much yeah absolutely and um i mean i think we've touched on a good number of subjects here and got a pretty good understanding of where the industry is what the superintendents are doing what the research is showing and where it's going and maybe now we're starting to get out of that old mentality where okay we're going to use information from that was developed through research in the 60s and 70s and get into the 2000s and maybe change some practices and you know obviously airification isn't going to go away and in some cases particularly older greens it's going to be very beneficial um but you really in my opinion what you really want to look at is what you what are you trying to achieve if you want to have 11 12 and you want to have nice firm greens, you're going to have to do something with that surface. It's going to include at least top dressing, uh, growth regulation, and probably some type of grooming or, and or verticutting to impact those areas. And if you have perfect drainage and runoff besides that, 
hey, maybe that's all you have to do. But again, if you get into those older greens, hey, maybe you have to do some dry deck, dry jecting or right. uh, d- deep drilling or whatever it may be. Right. So Yeah. I mean, listen, we're, it's, it's just the way the world is. Everything changes. Um, you know, we definitely don't do any – most things that we do today are not like they were, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, so – Definitely in this in this category with verification is something that we can learn from and, and look at and you know grow and I think it you know it, our industry shows that. Sure. Well, so that good. I was just going to say, well, that that concludes this podcast on verification. We hope you enjoyed that, and um, please check out our other podcast where we're going to be talking about top dressing and and growth regulators that help kind of go with what uh, we've been talking about in this one. So until then, thank you. Yep. See you next time.